Good morning and welcome to the PMC Podcast brought to you by Invisible Fence, Zach's Creamery, Nep's Restaurant, Montgomery Welding, and all others who have donated to our ministry. Myself, Josh Schwartzentrooper, and my co-host Nate Raber hope you enjoy our episode today as we dive into biblical truths, talk to brothers and sisters in the faith, and explore what God is doing in the lives of his people. We pray today that God would be glorified. All right, welcome to the PMC Podcast. I'm Josh Schwartzentrooper, joined here by my co-host Nate Raber, and once again, another special guest on the show today. Mr. Alex Nepp. Alex, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I don't know how special the guest is today, but uh, I, there is a guest. Hey, here. all guests are special. Hey, you forgot to give him the, oh. the claps. Hey, we get an ovation. I love it. We said we like to do that. It gets our guests feeling warm and excited, make them feel like they're wanted. Mission accomplished. Okay. I'm warm and excited. <laughs> you know what? I almost forgot because, I mean, does Alex really need, I mean, he's 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 got so much standing applause before. I mean, he doesn't need any more of that. I've gotten booze before. He's, I don't know about standing applause. He's just used to it. He's just used to it. Oh, man. Well, Alex, we're glad you could be on here today. Alex, uh, he attends our church here at Providence. Uh, he's been an elder for many years, and uh, what he does do uh, still right now is uh, teach our discipleship training program class. And Alex, I, I don't know about Nate, but one thing I did want to do before we started here today was have you talk a little bit about that DTP class and, and what it is. We've referenced it several times on the show. We actually referenced it last week. And uh, I mentioned that Taj was uh, kind of the one of the founder yep. guys of it whenever I was here. So I said I took the Taj and Sean class, which was the top-notch class. Harvard. Harvard. And then you referred to yours as like the Vincent's University. The U option. So then I was questioning Nate now teaches it if that if that's like the community college <laughs> Ivy Tech. I wasn't sure how. That's the Josh Forster P class version oh, of that there. No. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Where's it? <laughs> Got a symbol there. I set that one up for him right there, right? Teed it up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, talk a little about that because it fits right into what we talked about last week and uh, what we're going to be talking about this week. It, it's just a, it's a really good opportunity for uh, men in our congregation and even outside the congregation we've had uh, for people to just to dive deeper into the word, into uh, their beliefs and just growing as a disciple. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, Sean Otto started it when he was here, Sean and Taj. And uh, it, it was a, a little more in depth at that point in time. I have tried to scale it back just because I don't have the IQ of those two <laughs> there. But uh, we our goal was to create within the church um, men that understood the Bible and could apply it. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, that was the simple goal. And it's a, it's a slow process. It's the tortoise. It's not the hare. Uh, we've been cycling through classes, and I'm not even sure how many we've had right now, but I, I believe we're up to a little over 30 uh, men that have been through this class. Awesome. It is a, it's a two-year cycle, um, and we meet 40 times stretched out over those two years. And uh, that's the goal. What we're trying to dig in, learn how to understand scripture and learn how to apply it and change behavior mm -hmm. because of that. Awesome. And I know that we've had uh, a lot of people come through leadership positions yep. here that have gone through that class and, and uh, been in different roles. Um, you focus on things, like you said, focus on things of the word, how to, how to actually study it, how to read it, different things like that, but then also how to apply it and being a husband, being a father, uh, being an employee, different things like that, which, um, 
is super, super impressive. And I know, Nate, that you've been a part of that now. Uh, you went through it, and now you're uh, kind of helping Alex uh, teach that a little bit, which I'm sure Alex is very grateful for, that he doesn't have to be here every Saturday morning, and he can uh, have you fill in sometimes. So what, what's kind of been your opinion on that class? Well, it's the same thing uh, that Alex said. It's just this, this slow kind of methodical process through Scripture um, that we take. And in, in the first you know, three books are more... Um, I don't want to say applicable, but but more um, get geared towards behavior when it comes to um, our, our relationships with our wives and our spouse, um, and and how we relate to people at work. And so we're now um, have started the the big theology book mm-hmm. uh, by Wayne Grudem, and so this is going to be the next nine months of just walking slowly through these different uh, topics in which we're trying to form a doctrine. We're trying to take what Scripture says about a certain topic and, and try to form an idea and, and an opinion around that idea. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it the goal, like Alex said, is, is to teach men the Bible and not just teach men the Bible, but how to then take it outside and, and, and apply it to our lives. Well, sounds like that you two are going to fill in perfectly for what we're talking about today in um, our study here on diving into the Word. Last week, we talked about how do we study it. We talked about um, hermeneutics. Um, you know, looking at the context, understanding culture. So everything that we would talk about in that DTP class we talked about last week, and then this week uh, we're going to be talking about application. And Alex, um, you know, as I was thinking about applying the word, um, you know, I don't know, for me, one of the... uh, one of you, Alex's famous sports analogies came to my mind. Yeah, Al loves the sports analogies. And I was sitting here thinking, all right, what kind of sports analogy can I think about here with applying it? Well, you know, all three of us are coaches. Alex is the greatest elementary girls coach in, in the tri-state area. <laughs> it's a low bar. <laughs> but uh, so uh, in coaching, I can come up with the greatest set in the timeout ever. But if we don't go out there and apply what we've just talked about here, then the purpose of me going through the set really didn't serve any purpose. And that's happened several times in, in a timeout where I'll draw something up and I think it's great and we don't go out there and apply it right. Or the same thing, you practice all week of these different things and you go out there and you don't apply the game strategy or apply what you learned in practice. The practice was pointless. The timeout was pointless because you didn't apply it right. So is that a good sports analogy there for application? I love it. I right. love it. Now, now, we need to, we probably need to have a tally today on basketball <laughs> analogy. So that's number one. That's here. number one. That's number one. Yes. And actually, I hadn't heard that before. I'm going to write it down because I do, I do like that. It's okay. very applicable yeah. to, uh, wow. to know in scripture. If you got head knowledge, it doesn't do you any good if you can't put, apply it on the court. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just think that application is so important. And, you know, I, I, I'm a big, I mean, Nate, laugh all the time. Nate is like the um, head knowledge, like, you know, black and white type of guy. And for me, like, I'm always the uh, apply it. How can we apply it type, type of guy, which is just the difference in who we are and how we are. That's one's okay. right and one's wrong. <laughs> we don't necessarily <laughs> say that. That's why you run a good podcast, <laughs> the balance <laughs> of the two. Yeah, so he'll go into his whole thing, Paul and I'll be and like, all right, how can we apply this now? How, how can we live this out now? That's right. So, um, But no, I, I think it's super important because, like we said, if we study the Word and we really truly understand what it says and what we're supposed to do with it, but then we don't actually do anything with it, then it is just any other book that we're reading. It is just any other stuff that we're studying. It's just, It just becomes head knowledge. But, you know, the whole def- the definition of wisdom that I've heard is applying knowledge. You know, if uh, wisdom is 
applying the knowledge that you have. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. So Nate is kind of the guy that walks us through our uh, agenda here as he sets us up. First off, Nate, the coffee, not so hot this morning, but that's okay. <laughs> Is he the coffee guy of the group here? No, or what? He, well, we trade off, and I hate days that he brings it because <laughs> it's like he – I don't know what kind of coffee guy you are, Al. If you mm. grind your beans or if you just mm. you know pour straight in. But me, there's an art to it, and Nate hasn't quite grasped me the Me and art. Alex actually had a conversation about this last night because <laughs> I asked him, Alex, would you like a cup of Folgers Delicious Coffee? It's taking care of a special guest. Um, and Alex, would you like to illuminate <laughs> – our listeners of what kind of coffee you drink. My, I'm, I, I'm in both worlds, right? So in the morning, I am basic uh, Folgers Black <laughs> Silk. You. Basic. Uh, I can't get too fancy because it's Thank serving you. a purpose. It's, mm-hmm. it's just getting me going mm-hmm. on there. Now, in the, and, it's, and it's cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know who you're talking to, right? Like, <laughs> I let's wasn't going to say out. that. Let's I wasn't going to go out. there, but yeah. That, it costs that, less. That, that's right. It oh, is, okay. It's very economical. Oh, uh, there is, you go. Is the terminology <laughs> for Economical. It. <laughs> I support local, local businesses with my coffee. So Phil Raber, Zach... Graber, you know, hey, can uh, I put a plug in? The the Providence Youth is having a fundraiser here coming up soon. We're going to sell Zach's coffee, the the actual coffee that he gets yeah. from Ohio. Yeah, we're going to do a fundraiser with that. So t- stay stay tuned for that fundraiser. You're okay with that? Well, it makes us money, so yeah. Hopefully, it's not a lot of Nate Rabers out there buying. <laughs> <laughs> no, they won't. No, I, I will buy a bag just <laughs> oh, just yeah. to support, just because I, I basically yeah, give have it to, away. But, yeah, but where yeah. are you going there? Do you drink some good in, stuff too? So, then? in the afternoons and the evenings, I am actually a Pete's coffee drinker, which is a little bit of a step up. It is. They it still is. sell it at Walmart. I yeah. mean, it's not. Let's not get too crazy. Yeah, but, but it, it is. It's a step up for Walmart. Folgers. Yeah. Oh, Mike, I'm done already. I, I slurped mine down. I know. I have to. It's a painful process to get there. But we'll, we'll, you know what? I'm done making you coffee. I'll just save. I'll just save my my time. And save my money. I tell I, you. I, I, well, I just I just appreciate my guests. That's why I get up early. I grind the beans. I, I, I that is just so much work for a cup of coffee. It's fresh. All right, let's move go. on. Let's move on. Yes, go. <laughs> so we're gonna look at how do we use scripture. Like Josh, <clears throat> you said we uh, yesterday or last week we talked about. You know, exegesis, how do we figure out the original meaning of, of the text? And, and then the hermeneutics is how do we interpret that text? And so now that we have, have walked through the meaning of Scripture, now how do we apply that, right? How do, we, how do we apply that to our lives to make it change our lives, right? Because if it doesn't change our lives, there's no point, point, right? Yep. Um, and so the, the word application in the, in the original Latin means to fasten to. And so this is this idea that we're fastening scripture to our lives in order to change it. And so if we don't fasten that to us, um, and it, if it's not held closely and tightly to us, it's not going to change our lives. And so I, I really like that, that word in the, in the Latin because it just kind of gives that, that picture of it's, it's close, it's held on. And if something's fastened to you, you have to do something with it, right? You, you can't just really forget something that's fastened to you because you look around or look down at your arm and, and it's there. And so this is this constant reminder that scripture should be guiding our lives. And so um, Pickowitz points out that, that the, the most common question that people ask when reading the Bible is what does this verse mean to me? Right. That's, you know, I read John three sixteen. What does this verse mean to me? I read Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. What does this verse mean to me? And, Pickwitz points out this is not the right question to ask, right? This is 
the question that we should ask is, what do you want to teach me? How, how can mm-hmm. I fasten this to my life? Not, you know, what does this mean to me? Because then this puts me in, a, in the position of authority because now I get to decide what the text is, is saying and not, Father, tell me what the text is saying. Um, and so I think that's the first place we start because if we, if we start from what, what do you, you know, what does this mean to me? We can go off on a hundred different bunny trails because your, what, what John three sixteen means to you might be different from me. And so we're starting our conversation in two different places because I have a different opinion on what that text means. Um, whereas if we're tr- both trying to learn from what God is trying to teach us, then we can, then we're at a completely different place um, to, to even start with. Well, I think that that's important because as we look at the authority of Scripture, we have to, we have, we have to know that Scripture is inspired. It's an inerrant it's an errant word of God. It's used not like pick what it says in here. It's not used as a book of advice. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've <laughs> I think we've 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 pounded the daily devotional on here enough. So I'll be I'll be kind to people today. But I think we kind of sometimes read our Bible like it is a daily devotional. And what I mean by that is we'll sit down, we'll read a verse and we'll think, oh, okay, this makes me feel good. This makes me ready for my day. But we really don't dive into, you know, we take it as a book of advice. We don't really dive into the authority of the scripture and who it's talking about and what it actually means in here and how we can actually apply it to our lives in the correct way. Because when we ask that question, what does this mean to me? Now the Bible becomes about me. Now it becomes about what I, what, how is this helping me? How is this making me feel? All these different things. And we're forgetting about the author mm-hmm. and what the author of the Bible is trying to teach us, which is, like you said, what are you trying to teach me? How can I glorify you more? How can I worship you more? And I think this is a trap that I think a lot of people find themselves in. Al, would you agree on that? I, I would. And I would say it's a, it's a simple difference, but it's a paradigm shift in saying, what does it mean, and then how does it apply to me? So you're separating those yes. two. Yep. Uh, and and I, you guys may have got into this last week, it sounds like, with the Bible devotional thing, but it, I, I'm very – basketball analogy number two. Okay. okay? <laughs> uh, I'll set this up. So if you guys come into practice and you see kids, they're there 20 minutes early, and they're throwing up half-court shots, they're dribbling behind their back, they're messing around with their buddies, and then you see the kid over there working on post moves and doing two-handed dribbling. That's the difference, I believe, between intentional Bible study and haphazard Bible study. Mm, Checking off the box Bible study. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and so be intentional about your Bible study, which I think that's what you guys were leading Mm -hmm. to with the Bible devotional. you know, one example, we're going through Sunday school right now in Acts, and, and using a study through Acts to understand everything that was going on historically and then tie it into the other letters that were written that mm-hmm. make up the entire New Testament that were written during that time of Acts. That's an intentional Bible study because yeah. you're making sure you understand it in context. Because that's the first step of application is you got to know what it means. you got to understand it. Well, and I think you could attest this too. As I'm teaching my young adult class and we're doing that, we're walking through historically and then we point it to this uh, epistle over here that fits into the story that church he's talking to here. And then we start to see it apply there at the end. Their eyes just kind of light up like, okay, this is, th- I never heard this before. You know what I mean? Because it, it, Unfortunately, it is a different way that people study their Bible nowadays. You know, as Keith Meese said, that uh, the the daily devotional, you know, he said this, and he said he probably shouldn't have said it, but it's sometimes Satan's greatest tool to get us away from the Bible. 
You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that we think we got it, you know, we move on, but truly there's more there in the word than what we, than what we did that we dive into when we just scale the surface of what it says. And like you said, I think that's important there. Not what does this first mean to me, but how do I apply this first? And if we want to properly apply it, we have to understand what we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, and he kind of, in this chapter went over one more um, kind of example of a, of a, uh, verse that gets taken out of context and how do we rightly apply this and he used the he used the verse of jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which we talked about yesterday um and so you know if we look at the context of what jeremiah is writing he's he's writing to the jews in babylon that, that are in exile right and so people are starting to question god you know why why are we still in exile why why is this still happening they're starting to question god's plan and so this verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not for evil, to give you a future and, and, a, and a hope. This is not a feel good, like, you know, you're, you can conquer all type of verse. This is a, you guys are in, in captivity right now. There are plans that God has for you to prosper, right? Just hold on to the promise. And so if we look at that verse and say, you know, what does this mean to me? If I look at that verse, I think, man, I'm, good things are coming, right? Good things are going to happen to me. God wants me to prosper. God wants me to do well. You know, nothing's going to, bad's going to happen. If we look at that verse by itself and ask the question, what does that mean to me? That's what I come up with. That's the conclusion I come up with, right? And so if we understand the context like we talked about yesterday or last week and the principle of the of the whole verse, the, the point is not for God to only prosper us and trials are never going to come, Right. The principle is that God is trustworthy, he's sovereign, and he's all-powerful. Um, and so if we really have, we have to dig down and understand the, the true meaning of a verse, because we talked about last week, you know, with Philippians 4.13, that one gets taken out of context. Um, because if I, if I look at that verse, what does that mean to me? Well, it means that I can do all things, right? It doesn't mean um, that, that, I'm going to be all powerful. Thanks to God. It, it means that Paul's writing, you know, you brought me high, you brought me low. I, I can be content in, in, in the poor, um, poor times and I can be content in the rich times. Right. And so we have to find the principle, the, the true idea of a verse and ask it, Lord, what are you teaching me? Not, you know, what, what, what does this verse mean to me? And if you separate what it means from how to apply it with that particular example, it means that I can have contentment in any situation. Mm -hmm. And so now I know what it means. Now I apply it. You apply it totally different. Totally different Mm -hmm. than if you try to mix those two together and what does it mean to me. Mm -hmm. Well, I like what Pickwood said on here. He said, you know, whoever was... Whoever was in charge of the uh, Bible verse magnets and somebody found that verse, that made them a lot of money. You know, <laughs> that verse gets plastered everywhere. Very marketable. Yeah, very marketable because it is, I mean, it is good news. I mean, if you read that just at its at its core, at its, at its surface there, it is good news. You know what I mean? Like he's got plans to prosper me. Things are going to go great. But understand the context of what's going on there because like you said, then it means... You, I mean, that's what I think. Sometimes people can be like, oh, don't take my favorite verse and, and make. No, like it's better than what you think mm-hmm. it is. You know what I mean? If you think about it in the context of what it really means here, it means more than that. So and, I think and like well-meaning people have misused it. That's yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the problem with it, it, 
it's it's not a big deal to misuse it until things don't go well. And That's, then all exactly. of a sudden they can break down. Yep, right? exactly. And then you're starting to question that right. verse. Well, then you question that. Now you're questioning the whole Bible. You're questioning God. It can it can unravel very, very quickly. So, yeah, I think that first part there is find the principle. Like you said, find the principle of what the what the Scripture is trying to teach us right then. What is, what is the principle of this particular message? All right. And if you're having trouble, go back and listen to our podcast last week. Last week, where it there talks about how to find the principle in the midst of all of that stuff in there. So, but yeah, this, so then he says there's, there's two ways to apply scripture there's things to know and there's things to do. Things to know and then there's things to do. And I think we find that in scripture all the time. And, you know, the things to know is going to really fall into our doctrine, our theology, you know, different things to know about God. And then the things to do, we see scriptures that are very clear on commands and, and actions that we are supposed to take. So in that things to know, Nate, uh, that's kind of where he goes next. And this is kind of where you guys are at in um, your uh, Grudem book right now, mm-hmm. Systematic Theology, things to know. know about Things to know about God, things to know about Jesus, things to know about the Holy Spirit, about humanity, about sin, salvation, the church, future events. Al, when, you, when you think about those things and, and having a good basis of theology and a good basis of doctrine, most of the time people hear the word theology and doctrine and they're like, eh, you know, I, I could be a Christian and, and not have a doctrine. You know, that seems like a, a seminary type of thing. That seems like somebody that just wants to be all smarty, smarty. But talk about the importance of having good, sound theology and then and building doctrines from that. What you think affects how you behave, right? The two are tied hand in hand. And a lot of people will separate those two. So it, it's hard for some people to understand the applicable thing of knowing God better, Mm -hmm. but it does apply. It does impact how I behave. So what I think about God will determine how I act. Uh, And so, and I'll give an example. If I'm reading a passage that, and I I ask the question, which is a good practice to do, what does this teach me about God, right? I'm trying Mm -hmm. to, I've, I've understood what the passage means. Now I'm trying to apply it. And so one of the questions I ask is, do I learn anything about God in this passage? Mm -hmm. And if the passage, and I'll give an example, if if you're looking at the life of Joseph, so if you're reading Genesis there, Mm -hmm. and you you look at the life of Joseph and you kind of step back and you realize how all throughout the life of Joseph, God is sovereignly in control. And finally, at the end of the story, Joseph acknowledges that because it's so hard to see it when you're in the middle of it. But once you get past it, you can kind of look backwards and see how God guided his path the entire time. And so if you ask the question after studying that, what does this teach me about God? What well, teaches me that God is sovereign, right? God mm-hmm. is in control and he's involved in the life of his children. And the how do I apply that? That makes me feel confident, mm-hmm. right? Comfortable. That changes the outlook uh, for me going forward. Uh, basketball analogy number three here. <laughs> so if if I, I use this down at, and when I talk to the kids on Wednesday nights is, if I go into a game and I know what the outcome of the game is, that's a totally different feeling when mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of it than if, I, if I'm a little leery, like, what could happen here? Something bad mm-hmm. could happen. No, if I know what the outcome is and I know there's, there's someone in control of that outcome, now I can just play, right? Now mm-hmm. I can just, just go out there and do what I know I need to do and, and not have that worry and concern. So there is there's a way to change my feelings and actions and behaviors by knowing things about God. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's 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 why I feel like at the very basis of theology is 
know know the attributes of God. Know each and every attribute of God. I know we spent a summer, man, it's been probably four or five years ago, maybe, going through each attribute of God. And I know in Grudem's book, that's what he does. You know, and, and we when we start to talk about you know the, the doctrine of God and theology of God, and he he goes through each specific attribute of God. And like you said, once you understand that God is sovereign, and that helps you live your life understanding that once you understand he's love you understand he's just like you understand these things about god it it does change the way that you live so i think understanding god is is an important i mean very important part of understanding theology and doctrine as far as applying that because alex just gave a perfect example there when we know that god is sovereign then in the midst of things like Joseph's going through, we don't always see that, but now we see that in Joseph's lives. Now in the midst of things, I can recognize those things in my life. And I know that at the end, things are going to be okay. And that's what I had to battle with, you know, when dad was in the hospital for a month, I didn't know what each day was going to hold, but man, I knew in the end that God's plan was going to be good and that he was going to work things together for our good. Whether that was going to be what I thought it was going to be or what I wanted it to be, I could rest in knowing that God was in control. And if you don't understand that about God, you can't have that rest. I think it's in J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. Um, he, he has an illustration in, in one of his chapters of a kind of this sliding scale of when we're Christians, when we're just Christians, you know, fresh, converted Christians, we have a small view of God, but we also have a very small view of our sin, right? Yeah. And so as we are made more like Christ— our view of God gets much bigger, and that should change the way our life uh, we, we we live our lives. And our view of our sin gets much bigger, yeah. and we see that that those things that we used to do that we were ignorant about, now the Bible has taught us that these are you know traits and, and characteristics that we have that are sinful. And so, as we are made more like Christ, our kind of our Christ Jesus goggles get get. Um, you know, clearer and clearer because now we see that sin that we didn't think about previously. Now mm-hmm. we see that as sin and that applies to our lives by changing it, right? So if we don't know about God, if we don't know about Jesus, if we don't know about sin, if we don't know about the Holy Spirit, which, you know, sustains us and, and, and nudges us um, when we, you know, when it can it convicts us when we do th- things, if we don't know about that, it's hard to change our lives, um, if we don't know what we're doing wrong, if we don't know mm-hmm. who God is. Um, and so if we don't have a doctrine around God, if we don't know what the Bible says about God, or if we don't know what the Bible says about sin, it's hard to change our lives, right? And, and like you said, there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, I don't need a doctrine, I just need Jesus. Yes, but if you don't know who Jesus is, right? If you just need Jesus, that's still a doctrine. Um, and so if we if we dig into the Bible and, and see what it says about these certain issues, you know, the church. If I don't know what, what the Bible says about the church, I'm not going to put place a priority of the church in my life. But if I know now, if I've done a deep dive in Scripture, know what the Bible says about church, this is going to be a prior, priority for me to be a member of a local church, like Paul says many times in his, in his letters to all these churches around the Roman Empire. I'm going to start going to church more. I'm going to, I'm going to feel this priority to go to church because the Bible has now changed my life and, 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 and I'm applying scripture and changing my behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is just a um, observer in church. He sits in front of me. So I see, you know, how he worships and different things like that. But 
out i think out you know when we sing different parts on songs and it talks about you know like it was my sin that held him there and al's hand just goes up because but it shows me how that you have an understanding of sin mm-hmm. and the and the awfulness of it and that changes the way that you worship that changes the way you live your life yep uh, it, it, you've recognized well because <laughs> the the parts of songs that really hit me are the ones that that recognize God's forgiving of of, of yeah. our shortcomings right there. I, it, I know I, I'll step on your dad's toes, but there's that song about us floating in the sky and everything <laughs> that that stuff doesn't do it for me. But I can only imagine. I can only yeah, imagine. Right, yeah, yeah, but whenever you you recognize how we are not getting what we deserve, right? Mm-hmm. That we deserve mm-hmm. punishment for our sinfulness. It, it hits, uh, it hits hard. And, and that's a good example of when you read a passage that does, and you ask the question, what does this teach me about God? And if it teaches about God's holiness and his justice, and then you say, well, how does that apply to me? That applies to me because I don't deserve mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I, I, and it makes us think, thankful and yeah. all it creates and all of a sudden that thankfulness just pours out of us in our daily walk so it changes our behavior to understand those attributes of god absolutely well and another one that's kind of been a applicable to our sunday school lesson and one that for me for many years i kind of shied away from was things to know about future events so the church in thessalonica that was huge for them because they 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 held true to God was coming back. The second coming was coming back. And then this false teaching started to come in that Christ had already come back. Mm -hmm. And now that had just ruined their hope to some because they thought, this is what we were living for was Christ's second return. And Paul has to come back in here and say, no, 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 no. He hasn't. Don't believe the false teachers. Actually, since Timothy to do it. But, you know, don't believe these things. It's still coming. Tries to restore that hope and tries to talk about things of future events of what they can look forward to. These are things that you can look for to tell you that the end times are near. So that future events things, you know, like I don't need to. I'm not saying that you have to be a post-trib or pre-trib guy or different things like that. But understand what the second coming has, because for me, a long time, that was like kind of scary. You know, it was like a scary thing to think about. Um, it's kind of one of those things where it was just kind of weird. Like you start hearing about all these different things. Revelation was a book that I just kind of shied away from because it, I didn't understand it. It did bring some fear and some just confusion to me. But at the same time, like that brought hope to the people in Thessalonica. And that's what the purpose of knowing future events is because it brings hope. So you study the future events and you realize, okay, God's people this is this is great. This second coming is awesome. So to understand that and have a knowledge of that allows you to have greater hope in your life. And that hope changes the way you behave day to day. Absolutely. I mean, it, yeah. It impacts your life. Because like you said, think about think about the church in Thessalonica when they when that when they didn't have that hope yeah. of that, how they lived their lives mm-hmm. then. The first letter, they were great. He was encouraging them. Everything. The second letter had to come back a little bit because they had lost that hope, and it did change the way that they were living out their lives in their church. So understanding things, Holy Spirit's on there too. You know, We just did a whole uh, study on the Holy Spirit, on uh, Al's favorite guy, Francis Chan. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it's, it's good to study things like that because we, what do we know about the Holy Spirit? You know the Holy Spirit. You read about it in His Word. Now you're going to be more in tune to listen to the Spirit, follow the Spirit. The Spirit's going to be more active in your life. So the things to know don't necessarily fall into the things to do, but it definitely affects the things mm-hmm. to do. And I think that's what Al was trying to bring up there mm-hmm. is, you know, these things change the way we live. Mm-hmm. So, And then the things to do kind of uh, pick what's 
points out four major things. And so the things to know, right, if, if we know about humanity and we know about sin, right, if we, if we read Romans, we're going to know about humanity and we're going to know about sin. And so now when we read that, now it's going to cause us to do something, right? And so the first thing that, that Pigwitz points out to, that believers are to do is to repent from sin, right? And so we turn away, not not only turn away from sin, but then also turn to, turn to God. And so when we, when we become a believer, right, this is something that I think a lot of people think, well, I'll do this one time, right? I'll, when I become a believer, I'll repent, and then I'm good to go. But this is a continual part of, of regular life, right? It, it looks for or it becomes a a pattern of our life where the spirit nudges us to something that we used to be ignorant about um, and the spirit nudges us through reading the word through understanding what god commands us to do and then now we turn from that Um, and so if that's not a regular part of our life one we're probably not in the word because we don't understand what god is commanding and two we're, we're we're not probably not listening to those nudges from the spirit that, that tell us, Hey, this is something that you shouldn't do. Um, and so, you know, w- we can look in the Bible, we can look at places that talks about repentance. Um, and, and there's, they're scattered all over the place. Um, and so repenting is one of those things that, that I think has a, has a connotation of, of like discipline and, and bad things, but this is truly a, a good thing because we find more joy in Christ when we're, when we're living more like Christ. I'll ask you guys a question. Do you think that, do you think that one of the, in my opinion, one of the things that I think many church people don't grasp well is repentance, you know, understanding that that is part of the process, like asking forgiveness of your sins and then repenting of those sins. You know, for me, it always comes back to, we maybe ask for forgiveness, but we don't take the necessary steps to repent. And those are definitely things as far as things to do and applying that lives. Repentance if you, you, you kind of feel it, what I'm saying, do you feel like that's something that a lot of church people miss out on uh, or just don't have a fully grasp understanding of? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and I think if you're categorizing these two areas into things to know and things to do, the things to do part, if you look at those as ways to satisfy God or to earn more mm-hmm. love from God, that's where they can really get misconstrued. An easy way, and I'm a simpleton when it comes to this, but if you're looking at that category of things to do, picture them as these are, are ways that, so this morning I, had, I took a shower, right? I didn't cleanse my body. I just simply put myself under the cleansing power of the water, right? That's mm. all I did. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the, in the cleansing power of the water did the work. Yep. But the things to do are just ways for us to do our part to put ourselves in position for the spirit mm. to change us, mm-hmm. right? So we're not, we're not simply, you know, stapling apples to an apple tree and, and trying to call ourselves you know, a mm-hmm. better apple tree here. We're we're putting ourselves working with the Spirit, and these are just ways: repentance, uh, you know, Bible study, worship, uh, all these things to do that might come out of Scripture are ways for us to put ourselves in position to to allow the Spirit to change us and make us more Christ-like. And repentance would fall into that. Yeah, no, you're exactly right, and that's and that's a great th- way to start this things to do thing category here mm-hmm. because if we think these are just things that we have to do to approve, you know, to get approval from God. Um, it's like that Simhurst uh, tweet that I talked about at the beginning of the year when we talked about people getting into their Bible studies and reading their Bible more. Simhurst said, remember, this is not a way 
studying your Bible and reading your Bible is not a way to make you more precious to God, but it's a way to make God more precious to you. Yep. And I think that that's all of these things that we do is going to find us in that category. You know, when we repent, we're going to find, okay, me repenting here was simply, like you said, putting me in position where the spirit is going to convict me and through Christ's blood and his power, am I going to be able to step away and turn from this sin? So it's me just putting myself in that position for the repentance to come from God and to walk in that. So I think that that's important that these aren't things that we have to do to make us more precious to God or, you know, give us right standing with God. But these are things to do because of the things that we know, we do these things out of the knowledge that we have. So, Amen. Do you have one of those buttons that like says amen or anything? We need to oh, have man. that. That'd be a good to, idea. Yeah, this guy. Just, amen. 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 Yeah. We need a sound guy. Yeah. <laughs> the soundboard. I like it. One of those um, things that, that Pickwitz points out when he when he went through a section in, in repentance was kind of harkened back to what we talked about last week was that indicative in, versus the imperative, right? And so he, he points out Joshua 7 where um, a guy named Aachen, Aiken, I don't know, mm-hmm. um, took treasure during battle and and was and God commanded Joshua to, to stone him and his entire family, right? And so we look at when we read that, you know, is this something that God is is describing? Is this something that the Bible's describing, or is this something that the Bible is commanding, right? And I think we can all agree this is this is not an imperative. This is not something that we're commanded to do, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime somebody covets or steals, we're not commanded to stone them. And so we look at, you know, um, verse twenty one in chapter seven uh, Akin says, I coveted and took, for, took from the Lord. Right. And so if we ask that question of what does this mean to me? Well, the only outcome is I, I shouldn't steal or I'll get stoned. Right. If I ask the question, God, what are you teaching me from this? He's teaching me that, that covetedness can lead to death. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and not the physical death, but spiritual death. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if we frame that question or we, we take a verse and ask the question differently, we're going to come out with two, two different outcomes like we talked about, right? If, if this is, I'm applying this truth to my life that covetous is going to lead to spiritual death, this is a much different answer than I get um, than if, if I ask, you know, what does this mean to me? I don't really have a good answer, right? Mm-hmm. Reading this, I don't really have a good answer. What does this mean to me? And, and if you ask, take that particular passage and ask of that passage, which is a good practice to do to, to apply, what is this teaching me about, about God? About God, yeah. yeah. And, and what is it teaching about God? His, his holiness, His holiness, right? Yep. That He is a holy God. And that not only teaches me how holy He is, but like you mentioned, Nate, it, it also grows my knowledge of my sin. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. When exactly. I think about how holy He is, and that produces thankfulness out of me, right? Uh, now, you know, if somebody harms me or wrongs me, I'm like, hey, I deserve you know, yeah. eternity in hell. I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I don't get what yeah. I deserve. Mm-hmm. I'm glad God is a, you know, a forgiving, forgiving and, and a great God that uh, produces a lot of thankfulness. And I think reading the Old Testament, that question helps us read the Old Testament much it better. It does, yeah. Right? Because, if, because there's not a lot of confusion, and then like, we don't have to try to think like, this doesn't really apply to yeah. me. I mean, stoning? It would, yeah. It, you know. Well, this, what I, the another example I was thinking of, and I don't know what book it's in, but when the, when the guy touched the, the tabernacle, yeah. right. Yeah. And he was struck dead. Mm-hmm. What is, what does this verse mean to me? Mm-hmm. I can't answer that question. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause to me, it seems like God's kind of harsh. Yeah. Like, uh, I wouldn't have done that. That seems like a pretty big punishment just for touching a golden box. Like, mm-hmm. right. If we say, what does this teach about God? 
his complete holiness. Mm-hmm. That he, if he commands something, that's what he means. There's just, no gray yeah. area, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, well, he didn't mean to. Like he fell down and accidentally touched it. God said, don't touch it, right? And so what does this teach me about God? It, it, it teaches me that he's holy. What he says is going to happen. Um, and there's no, there's no gray area in his commands. Um, and and that, that frames, that's helped me read the Old Testament much different. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if I don't ask that question, it becomes a lot of, well, this doesn't really apply to me, right? This doesn't, mm-hmm. especially when, when we're in Leviticus and talking about the, the temple and this and this and this, that doesn't apply to my life in 21st century America, right? And I think that people can fall into that trap with the Old Testament is, well, that was that was back then. Well, mm-hmm. the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. So whoever God was back then, he's still that same God now. We may be in a new covenant, but it's still the same God. So to understand and know these things about God in the Old Testament, it's still you're still learning about the God of today. And you understand that differently. Now, we have Christ's blood over this, and thankfully we don't have to be stoned or be struck dead right whenever we have that because Christ's blood covers us, but it's still who God is. And I think it's important to know that. The second thing he says to do is we have to believe. We have to put our faith in trust in the Lord. And he goes through and he mentions Hebrews 11 here, you know, the, the hall of fame of faith. And he just gives a, a, just a huge example of all the people throughout scripture who have had faith and, and different things. And, um, you know, it's, we call it the hall of fame of faith. You know, they just go through and list all that. But then I love my favorite, one of my favorite passages in scripture follows right up with that in Hebrews 12, one to two, where it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside every weight, every sin, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and is seated at the right hand throne of God. So here's all these things and all these great things that these guys did. And these men and women did men and women of faith in Hebrews 11. And then in chapter 12, right there, since we're surrounded Surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, all of those, all of those guys and men and women that he just talked about right there, since we're right, they're witnesses in heaven all around us. Let's lay aside every weight, every sin that clings so closely and look to Jesus. That's exactly what those men and women did. Mm -hmm. They believe they put their faith in Christ. And then we see this go, this laid out here. So another thing to do is put your faith in Christ, put your trust in Christ. We see that example right there in Hebrews 11. And then we do this in Hebrews 12 is now the application that we get from all of reading all that. So putting our faith and trust in Christ, that's the thing that we do. And it allows us to, as, as that verse says, run, right? When Mm -hmm. you, when you get rid of those weights, uh, then, then you can run the race that uh, God's laid out before us. So it it is behavioral change. Exactly. It's, it's, it's truly behavioral change. And, and you know, it, I love this is so many times you can think, Oh man, lay aside every weight and run. And I just don't know if I can do that. Well, no, read the previous chapter before all, they were regular men and women Mm -hmm. that did this exact same thing. And look what God did in their lives. So there's an action, but then he also cites, <laughs> this works. You know, yeah. here, here's proof that it works. And if, if we're asking that question, you know, what is, this te- what is this teaching me or what does this teach me about God? Um, the, the last part of verse 2 always sticks out to me is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, right? He's not standing. He's not defending. He's, he's not shaking. He's like, not uh, shaking. Like, be? I wonder what's going to happen, right? He's seated, right? His, his enemies are his footstools. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, what does this teach me about God and what does this teach me about Christ is that he's seated. He said it's finished, and so it's finished. Um, and I think we add, we try to add a lot of things to Christianity that's not. Christ has done the work. It's done. 
right? It, it is finished. He's seated. That's what we're called to do. And, and that, that's what this verse always jumps out, or what jumps out to me in this verse and what it teaches, teaches me about Christ is that he's done the work. He's, mm-hmm. he's seated, um, and he said it's finished. We don't have to do anything else. Yep. One thing that, um, you know, we, we've categorized the two applications of Scripture as things to know and things to do. And in the things to know category, we've spent a lot of time talking about things to know about God, which is excellent because that's where we want to start is, mm-hmm. is have a big view of God. But I also think Scripture on the things to know category can teach us things to know about ourselves mm. and mankind. Mm-hmm. I, I think by having a full understanding of the Bible, it is, it's, a, you know, he created us, so he knows us, yep. right? And he wrote the words, so he knows what motivates our hearts. He mm-hmm. knows the sinfulness inside of us. And what I've found in my own life and practice is that the the more time I'm in Scripture and the more I learn about how I function and how mankind functions, I see the world differently. Mm-hmm. I, I see yeah. the world through a, a biblical lens, and I, I look at actual, actions and behaviors of the world, and I can see the motivation. I can see what Scripture's saying is motivating yeah. that. Uh, and, and I'll give you an example of this is um, so many times— actions of, of people throughout the world and, and things that you see on the news can be stripped down to identity, right? Uh, mm. That these individuals are, they're motivated because they've placed their identity in something that is not what Scripture says who they are, right? Scripture mm-hmm. says that our identity is a child of Christ, and they're trying to find that fulfillment and identity in something else. And when that gets attacked, they're going to, I mean, when your identity is attacked, they're going to come out. And mm-hmm. so uh, being able to see the world through a biblical lens is is a great outcome of understanding and applying scripture in your yeah. life as well. No, you're exactly right. And I think he put that on there. We just were, we're, we're good enough to bring that part out, but things to know, he talks about humanity. Yep. You know, you have to understand humanity, you have to understand human heart, different things like that. And then the next part he says is to grow, you know, things to do, we got to grow. The question that people always ask, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? Well, Pickwitz makes it pretty simple. It's to grow. It's to be more sanctified. Like that's God's goal is for you to grow in the knowledge of him and grow in your relationship with him. And he lists Galatians 5.22 where it talks about the fruits of the spirit. Do you see yourself growing in those in those fruits? Do you find yourself being more self-controlled, more kind, more loving? Do you see those things coming out in your lives? And how does that how does that happen? Do reading the scriptures. That's the only way you grow. If you take the source away from it's a, you take the battery out of the toy, it's not going to work. You take the Bible away, you're not going to see growth. There's no there's no way to grow fruit if you take the tree away from the roots. It's it's what roots yourself and that's what grows. So I think the simple question here if you're asking yourself what is God's will for my life? It's to grow you. It's to make you more sanctified. That's you see that in scripture all the time. And you see that in people in the Bible. He God grows them. David was not the same person at the beginning of his life that he was at the end of his life. He grew him. Same thing with Paul. You see Paul's growth in his maturity, Peter's growth in maturity. You could take anybody in the Bible and you see how God grew them. Now, was God's will in their life to lead people to Christ here and here and here? Yeah. But in the midst of all that, he grew them into different points in their life to where those things came in. But the ultimate goal was growing them in their relationship with him. And I think that that's important. Don't overcomplicate it. Now, we all have, 
God has different plans for each one of us in our lives. You know, my plan is not the same as Alex's plan or Nate's plan and different things like that. But overarching plan in all of it is to grow us and to sanctify us. And I think that that's an important thing to do is make sure we're growing. Now, we don't do the growing on our own, but it does it does put responsibility on us to get in the word so that the word can grow us. So any thoughts on that, guys? Just Are we up to number four on basketball analogy so far if I hit this? <laughs> this is okay. four, I we'll think. We'll go yeah. four. Um, I, I, if I have a, and I say this a lot in basketball practice, I'm sure you guys do too. At the very end of practice, when we huddle up, I, I always say, now, if the next time you touch a basketball is next Saturday morning, you're not going to improve. You're not going mm-hmm. to grow as a basketball player. And it's the same thing with your, your spiritual growth. If you come to church on Sunday mornings and sit down and listen to a sermon and worship, that's great. But if that's the only, if you don't touch your Bible until the next Sunday morning, you're not going to see that growth yep. on there. So you do have to be in the word and then using another basketball analogy if you're just simply coming to the gym on monday tuesday mm. wednesday night and just you know shooting half quarters and goofing around um, you're not going to see growth you have mm-hmm. to be intentional about uh, your what you're doing in the word to to allow the spirit again you're just putting yourself in position to allow the spirit to ta- change you and that has to be intentional yep you're exactly right last point nate the last one that Piglets points out is is the things to do is to love, right? We can boil most of Scripture down into loving God and loving other people, right? And so we see that with Jesus when when he's asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, and so, you know, if our desire is to be obedient to God, this is going to be directly related to how we treat people, right? If, if, if I understand my big view of God and how God deals with people and how God loves people, this is going to change the way I, I treat people. Um, if I don't understand, you know, that they're made in God's image, I'm going to treat somebody much differently mm-hmm. than if, than if a great example, not a basketball anal- analogy, but a teaching analogy. If I'm, if I'm in front of class and I've got a kid goofing off and talking and I'm just getting ready to boot him, right? If I don't understand that this kid probably has two parents in jail, if I don't understand that he's got a lot of stuff going on in his life and this is maybe an outlet for him to just get my attention, if I don't understand that, he's getting booted and I'm moving on, right? Mm-hmm. But if I understand who this kid is, that he is made like Christ, he's made as an, in an image of Christ, he's got a lot of stuff going on, that's going to that's going to change completely how I treat him. Right. And so, you know, if, if we're in, in, in business or if we're in teaching or wherever we're dealing with people, we first have to understand that they are that Imago day. They are, they are made in the image of God. Um, and that should hopefully change the way we treat them. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I think that goes back to the knowing, you know, when you know God and you understand the love that he had for you, the grace that he shows you, that directly affects how you love people, mm-hmm. that you show grace to other people. And, you know, Scripture is very clear. We love because Christ first loved mm-hmm. us. You know, when we understand the love given to us, that love should be poured out upon other people. And when we find ourselves treating other people without that love, now it's time to step back and yeah. realize, hey, do you truly understand the love that's poured out to you? Like Al said, well, go. If somebody's going to treat me badly, I got to think, you know, I deserve much worse. You know, I, I deserve much worse than this. It, it helps you 
understand that love. And when you understand the love that God's poured out to you, I think naturally you're going to start showing that love to other people. And this is where that application comes in right here. I tell people all the time, okay, how do I, how do I be the best husband I can be? Well, I first have to understand the love and grace that God pours out to me. Mm-hmm. Therefore I show that love and grace to my wife. How am I going to be the best parent? I got, well, if I understand how God, my father deals with me is patient is patient and, and it shows grace and stuff to me that's going to help in my relationship with Oakland it's it, it it's all comes down to understanding God at the level of where he is understanding Christ understanding grace understanding the things to know is going to pour out into the things we do and I think love is is right at the right at the core of that so I need right. that amen button again. no yes boom. yes yeah, boom 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 Taj did the Taj just go agree <laughs> Uh, but no, I think, I think, you know, in, in, uh, application, Al, I want to just let you kind of get your final thoughts in here in application. Um, it's important if we don't know how to apply scripture, what's the point of even reading scripture? But I think application is vital into, in the, in the believer's life. So, yeah, there's, there's really only two reasons why you wouldn't want to study and apply scripture. Either you don't think of the Bible as you think of it as a weapon in a museum that no longer has any power, right? Mm-hmm. You don't understand uh, what it is. And if, but if you do understand what it is and you know the life-changing effect it can have on you, then you are going to be intentional about your study. And like we mentioned here at the beginning, you're going to understand what it means, which is one meaning mm-hmm. uh, uh, to the original listers, and then you're going to ask questions and really apply that to your own life. Uh, you want to have one foot in you know historical context and one foot in the current culture there to to be able to properly uh, use the sword that uh, Christ has given us in His Word. All right, and the, the, just to finish, there's two questions that he finished up with while we're while we're asking and and or while we're reading and trying to apply this, right? Two questions that you can write on a sticky note are, God, what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? And is this, uh, how am I becoming more Christ-like, mm-hmm. right? What do you want me to know? And how do you want me to act? And then how am I becoming more Christ-like? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, you know, if you're reading through a scripture and it doesn't make any sense, read it again, ask those questions, and that's going to help apply that much better than the old, what does this verse what mean? What does this verse mean to me? Yep, yep, you're exactly right. Well, guys, thank you. Al, we kept it under an hour. So. Ah, I love it. <laughs> uh, so very different than our last episode, but that's all right. So, Al, thanks for coming on, buddy. I know you're a busy man, but uh, thanks for joining us today, and thanks for all you do for here at the church and in the community. So, well, thank you guys for doing this. This yep. is really neat. Yep. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, stay tuned as we finish up our uh, series on diving into the Word next week. God bless, and we'll see you next time. 